Okay. Bob, it's all yours. Let's welcome Pastor Benny. Can we do that, please? Thank you, thank you. Please be seated. He said, I'm dressed piffy. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Because I just had a, a Zoom healing service. And that's why Jim is here, by the way. We just came from Claude's building. I want to say something to this sweet lady. I got to tell you this. I was sitting there saying, what a sweetheart you are. You. Very special. Very special. Did, did that shock you? You weren't expecting it. Okay. Well, just a little bit about the history of this building. This is where ev everything for our family began. Here. At Calvary Assembly. I was married in the old building that now is the gymnasium. That was 1979. When some of you were not even thought about. <laughs> and my father-in-law, Roy Harden, was the pastor. And then... They built this beautiful building here, and it's quite uh, a moving experience. Every, every, you know, every time I come here, it brings a lot of memories. My office, my first office in the U.S. was that little house right back here. This little house, by the way, right by that back parking lot, the little home, that was my office. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> that's where I met my wife. Fell in love, and it's been very, very ex expensive ever since. <laughs> I love my wife, Suzanne, but she loves to shop. I guess a lot of you women are like that, huh? When I met my wife, I did not like her clothes. I said, your clothing is too Pentecostal. <laughs> and she said, go take every dress you don't like. So I emptied the closet. <laughs> and it was a big pile. We, we <laughs> used to live on Michigan Avenue then, down here. It was a massive pile on the, on the bed. And she said, what will you do with it? I said, I'm going to throw them all away. She said, okay. So I put them all in the garbage. I came in from the garage. She said, now go buy me brand new ones. <laughs> and I have been buying them ever since. <laughs> My wife is British, British. Wow. And I'm from Israel, so I used to call her, I used to call her the British Bulldog. And she called me the Israeli terrorist. <laughs> now, let's get serious, huh? Listen, listen, it's, it's really his fault. It's Michael's fault because he said, will you share the history? Well, the history came with all those lovely stories. <laughs> thank the Lord for what he did last night. And thank the Lord for giving us the honor tonight to be in this beautiful location.
And I want to thank the pastor of Calvary, wonderful young man I met a few days ago. We were in this building together. <clears throat> and so thank the Lord for his mercy. Wonderful Jesus, I thank you for all you've done in all our lives. And now again, touch our lives. Bless these wonderful people you've given Michael and Jessica. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done with them. Bless Michael with a great future. Jessica with a great future. And I thank you for the sweet people you've given them. Many of them here tonight. Bless their tomorrow. Prosper them. And for those who gave of themselves tonight and give their offerings, prosper and secure them financially. In the name of Jesus. And God's people said, Amen. Thank you, Bruce. <clears throat> when we talk about communion, we talk about a meal. And I want to just talk to you for a second and I want to help you understand the power of it. In Scripture, every time they had a meal together, it triggered the promises of a covenant. If you go back to the book of Genesis, you begin with the most amazing story of Abraham. God gives him a promise that Isaac one day will be born. He waits 24 years. One day God shows up in Genesis 18. And what happens? They have lunch together. And during lunch, God says, Isaac is on the way. That was an amazing revelation when God showed that to me. And then I was amazed as I read through the entire, really the whole Bible, the old covenant and the new, on the power of dinners with God. Covenants are triggered in a dinner. And that's our culture, by the way. Our Middle Eastern culture. Marriage is not complete without dinner in our culture. It's also in the Greek culture. That's why they eat together. This is the whole idea of the reception came out of. So, <clears throat> if you look at Genesis 26, there's no need to turn to it. Just, you can hear me. You may, may want to write these down. In Genesis 26, when Abimelech, the king of Gerar, down Gaza area, came to meet with Isaac, there was a big disagreement on the wells and this and that. And they solved it with a covenant. It says they made a covenant and the next thing we read, they ate together. Then we see the same thing with Laban in chapter 31 when he came back, well I should say when he came uh, to Jacob. Uh, and he was looking really for his gods that Rachel had taken. And he wanted to say bye to his children and so on. And so they made a covenant. It says so. And what did they do? Had dinner. 
And I began to look at this. I thought, this is amazing that every time a covenant was made, there was dinner involved. Dinners are so powerful when it comes to God's promises. Think about this. In Exodus 12, what did they have that last night? What did God ask for? Dinner. He said, take a lamb, offer the lamb. And while they were chewing, they were free. While they were eating, God brought them out of Egypt. 400 years without dinner. And they were in slavery. One dinner brought them out. Communion is dinner with God. Now it's so important to Jesus that he said, do this. He did not say, think this. Do means relive the experience. Passover, the Jews relive what happened to them in Egypt with the meal they choose, with the different herbs, with what they eat, what they drink, reactivates. They relive the, the, the event and the promises made to them. Now here's one of the most amazing ones of all, I think. In Exodus 24, as great as Exodus 12 is, and then they all came out of Egypt while chewing the lamb. They applied the blood and they had to eat the lamb. And God said, don't leave any till morning. Mean eat it tonight. And here's something powerful. In Exodus 24, God says to Moses, now you come up, you bring your brother Aaron, you bring his sons with him, you bring all the elders, all 70 of them. So all these people come up to Mount Sinai. To do what? To have dinner. It says they ate with God. What a moment that must have been. When they saw his glory and they saw heaven. And it says his feet touched a sea of glass. And he did not touch nor lay his hand on any of the nobles of the children of Israel. And it says, and they ate with God. And the next thing God says, to me it's you know, quite remarkable. He says, go down and apply blood on the whole nation. The blood had to be applied on three million people. You know how many animals were killed? To cover three million people with blood? And the next thing that happens, God says, now because we've had dinner and the blood has been applied, don't come up anymore. I'm coming down. Build me a tabernacle. I'm going to live in it. That is awesome. Communion brings God to your home. And, and, the, and the church has lost. What is the truth of communion? It's not about some memory of a 2,000 year ago incredible event as it is. Communion 
It's dinner with God. And communion keeps the devil out. What did David say? Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of what? My enemies. Meaning they're watching, but they cannot get in. Every time we have communion, demons have to leave. In the presence of my enemies, thou preparest a table before me. Dear God, I feel the anointing just saying it. In the presence of my enemies, not in the presence of my friends. Meaning when we have communion, demons have to walk out. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Can I remind you? What did Jesus do before the cross? He had what? Dinner. It's called the Last Supper. It's not the Last Supper. No. Because he had another supper after he rose from the dead. You seem to forget. But why did the Lord eat with them? To release the covenant. Just like in the old covenant. In Exodus 12. And in Exodus 24. To release the covenant. God gives Moses the covenant on Sinai. You all remember that right? But it had to be released. When? When they ate. Now we have an amazing covenant. With God. Every time we partake communion, we release it all over again. That's why people are healed. Because they release the covenant. And its promises and its power. What did the Lord do after he rose from the dead? What was the first thing he asked for? Now think about this. The son of God just rose from the grave. And you would think he would say something so heavenly, you know. Well, it is heavenly. But what was this heavenly request? Do you have food here? That makes me love Jesus more, you know. You have any food here? And he ate with them. Why? To release Pentecost. Because right after that, he breathed and said, receive the Holy Ghost. Are you getting this? He released his breath after dinner. That's amazing. Tonight, are you ready for dinner? And do you know, do you know what's going to happen tonight? Okay, let's just very, very quickly, I want to give you just two scriptures, no, no more. <clears throat> so, Paul the Apostle saw something most remarkable in 1 Corinthians 10. And in 1 Corinthians 10, God showed him something every one of you needs to see. It says in verse 14, right through verse 22, Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men. Judge what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, isn't not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, 
Is it not the communion of the body of Christ? So can I have the elements? Can, can someone give me the communion? I want to just show you. And dear, dear Ben, would you open that for me, you wonderful friend? Okay. So when, when, you, when you hold this, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. When you hold the bread in your hands, listen. The cup of blessing which we bless is not the communion or the fellowship of the blood of Christ. The bread which we break. Now look at me, all of you. Tonight, break it. Break it. You have to break it. Because Jesus said, do this. He didn't say, think this. Do this. Relive it. We're going to break it in just a moment. If you want to do it now, that's fine. But we, we want to thank him for his broken body. And then he said, about the cup earlier, it's another communion. So, when, when I break this bread and I partake it, I immediately enter into fellowship with the Lord. It's not about some memory. It's about fellowship. And then he says something powerful. For we being many are one bread. What an amazing statement. The minute we partake of this bread, we become one in the spirit. It unites us as one body. For we are all partakers of one bread. Communion brings us into oneness with the Lord and oneness with each other. And something else I want to point out that is so precious to me. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and beginning verse 10, it says, forgive me, my iPad is acting up. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10. All right. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 says, Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Every time I partake of this blessed communion, <clears throat> I participate in his death on the cross. I become one with him in his sufferings. For it says, always bearing about in the body, that is the church body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Now he talks about our personal body. So it's amazing that in one verse he talks about the body, the believers, and the body right here, you and me, individually. That every time we take communion together, we participate in his death together. And then it says something so powerful. That the life of Jesus 
Dear Lord, I feel the anointing here. That the life of Jesus will manifest in my own physical body. That's healing. Now, real gentle. There's someone here tonight, I believe they're here somewhere. If they're not, they're listening. Who needs a real miracle that Michael or Jesse today told me about. I pray when you partake of the bread, that plague in your body will die. And the life of Jesus will drive it out. Whoever here who may have some plague in your body, it will die. And Jesus will heal you. Now, the word goes on to declare in the next verse. <clears throat> for we which live, verse 11, for we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. The blood. The blood was shed seven times in scripture. To fulfill the seven sheddings of blood in the Old Testament. <clears throat> and the seven sprinklings of blood on the Day of Atonement and other special days that God commanded Moses. Why? Because the blood was shed seven times. The blood of, of our precious Lord shed seven times. When? Gethsemane was the first time. In Gethsemane, his sweat became blood. Why? To heal your emotions. Then the blood was shed again the second time when he went to the house of Caiaphas. And according to Isaiah, his beard was pulled off. And they beat him so viciously that his face was no longer recognizable as the face of a man. To fulfill Isaiah 52 that says, he was marred more than any man. Marred more than any man. The passion tried to show it, but it didn't do a good job. That movie. Marred more than any man. Listen here. No human has ever been beaten or disfigured like the Son of God Almighty. That's why Isaiah said there's no beauty in him. That's why Mary Magdalene did not recognize him when he rose from the dead. Because the last time she saw him, he was unrecognizable. Precious Lamb of glory. Yeah. Real gentle, please, that heavenly sound you play so beautiful. So his face disfigured. Why? That your face one day will be transformed into his image. He paid the price to transform your image into his image. That's a miracle. That we shall all look like him, be like him. And third, 
the blood was shed again when they took him to the praetorium and they placed a crown of thorns over his lovely head why for the healing of our minds that we will have the mind of Christ one day number four they whipped his back they whipped his back so bad that the bones began to be exposed the Romans in those days had these strips leather strips about 26 of them sometimes more and they would put these round metal balls with a little hole in them and they would slide them in every strip so there was hundreds and hundreds of these little metal balls about this size and nails were stuck out of them and they would roll and tear the flesh of any man they tore his body with those whips and so it says in scripture I tell all my bones I can count all my bones in the Psalms and that was for you to be healed your miracle cost him much it costs us nothing just accept it and then number five the blood was shed again when they nailed his precious hands why for our work to be accepted for our minister to be accepted and then they nailed his precious feet that was the sixth shedding of blood why for our walk that we might walk with him for the rest of our lives and serve him and then they pierced his side the seventh shedding why that we might be born again we were born again with the blood and the water that came out of his lungs how did the water get in there they say these who know scientific things about the body Jesus had to breathe to pull heel to pull his body up and down there was no way for him to breathe on that cross without pain as he pulled his body up and down to take each breath for six hours he was on that cross 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. and every time he pulled his body to breathe his lungs filled with liquid so when that soldier pierced his side there came forth what blood and water and so the Word of God says we must be born again with what water and blood and the Holy Spirit answers to both in the in God's Word so when we partake of communion we have to remember all this not just take communion because somebody said take, take communion we remember what he did for us and when he arose from the dead God not only performed an amazing act of power people ask me what is the greatest the greatest miracle in the Bible 
greater than creation is the resurrection of Jesus. What's the next most amazing and greatest miracle in the Bible? The new birth when you're born again. Your salvation is greater. There was more power released when you're saved than the power that created the world. Because it says we were born again, quickened by the same power that raised him from the dead. That's awesome to me. It took more power to save me than to create the universe. Lift your hands and thank him for that. Don't take it lightly. Don't take it lightly. More power released to save your soul than all the power released to create the heavens and all the earth. For God says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead brought salvation to our lives. Will you stand now please everyone? Precious Lamb of glory God's most wondrous story Heart of God Redemption of man We worship the Lamb of glory Wonderful Jesus, thank you, thank you. When I got saved, take our bread. When I got saved, I learned a song. Take our bread. We ask you. Take our lives. We love you. Take our hearts. Oh Father, we are yours. We are yours. Take our bread. We ask you. Take our hearts. We love you. Take our lives, O oh, Father, we are yours, we are yours. Hold the bread up, and the scripture says, as Paul the Apostle so beautifully puts it, for I have received of the Lord that which I have delivered unto you. Beginning at verse 23 of 1 Corinthians 11, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. Go ahead and break that in your hands and said, 
take eat this is my body which is broken for you this do in remembrance of me after the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped saying this cup is the new testament in my blood this do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me for as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup ye do show proclaim the lord's death till he come wherefore whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the lord but let a man examine himself and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup for he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself not discerning the lord's body for this cause many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep for if we would judge ourselves we should not be judged hold that bread and say wonderful lord jesus i thank you for taking my place on calvary's cross thank you lord for suffering for me thank you lord for taking my punishment my sin my death and my darkness and giving me your life and healing power and now i receive your broken body and i receive health and healing for my body i receive now in jesus name Jesus Jesus can i tell you how i feel you have given me your spirit i love you so Jesus Christ my Lord my God I'm not worthy of your love I will always do your will do your will and I thank you now for the blood And tonight we stand odd that the son of almighty god should take our place on calvary's cross and now all of you lift your cup and say wonderful jesus i remember your blood shed for me in Gethsemane at the house of Caiaphas in the praetorium 
and on the way to Calvary and on Calvary. Oh, sweet Jesus, thank you. Wash me now. Cleanse me now. Empower my life now to serve you for the rest of my life. Partake my faith in Jesus' name. You are my hiding place. You always fill my heart with songs of deliverance. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. Lift your hands and tell him, I will trust in you. Let the weak say I am strong in the strength of the Lord. You are my hiding place. You always fill my heart with songs of deliverance Michael I am afraid I will trust in you I will trust in you let the weak say I am strong in the strength of the Lord, I will trust in you. Lift your voice and tell them, saints, I will trust in you. Let the weak say, I am strong in the strength of the I want to tell the sick in this house the promise of God. He that keepeth Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. Slumbers nor ever sleeps. Neither slumbers or sleeps. He that watches over your life never slumbers and sleeps slumbers or sleeps now those who need healing lift your hands and ask him for it he promised to heal you he promised to heal you Jesus oh Jesus Jesus 
your hands on that sickness oh Jesus your presence makes me Place your hand on that sickness or anywhere on your body. As I pray for you, you're going to feel God's power touch you. Sweet, wonderful Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. Heal everyone. Believing you now. Heal every single one who needs a touch from heaven. And I rebuke that sickness. I rebuke that disease. And I command it to leave that body. 
in Jesus name in Jesus name now lift your hands and receive that anointing is here Hallelujah. you feel that wonderful touch you feel that wonderful touch on your body receive that healing receive it now in the glorious name of Jesus some of you felt this most remarkable warmth you felt that most remarkable warmth that's the anointing through your body if God has healed you if you know like that woman with this your blood that God has touched you all you need to do now is just lift your hand and just wave it if the Lord is healed you just lift your hand and just wave that uh, that's right I'm gonna give the mic back to my amazing son-in-law and you take it from there. Good morning. Let's just stay right here for a moment. 